Ben Barry, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today. We're looking at the research you did on the advertising industry. Just tell us, what was the inspiration for this landmark research? I was inspired by the Dove campaign, and it came out in 2004. It's really a fascinating story because Dove had recently introduced a variety of products in other categories, shampoos, conditioners, body lotions, but they were still primarily selling in one category, and that's what they're known for. That was soap. And so they decided to do a new advertising campaign and feature women of all different ages, all different sizes, all different backgrounds, in magazine adverts and on billboards all over the world. Well, what they found is that six months after launching this campaign, sales jumped by 700%. And this was not only in soap, this was in all of their other categories. And so they realized that they had really tapped into something exciting, this craving for women to see authentic depictions of themselves. In that case, one would have thought that the rest of the ad agencies and and, uh, campaigns would have said, wow, we're going to do likewise. One would think that they would have followed suit, but in fact, that didn't happen. Everyone wrote off Dove. They said it was a novelty. They were only successful because they received a tremendous amount of press for trying something new. But they said diverse body forms was a passing fad, that in the long term it would be negative for the brand because they would be written off as a brand for larger women. And so they said that they would stick with what they have always known every other brand did, and that was tall, thin, young, primarily white models to sell this one ideal of beauty. Because they believe that the economic model of the fashion industry rests on selling unattainable aspiration, unachievable beauty, that by presenting something, a model that very few people will ever look like, you'll be stimulated to buy the product, but you'll never actually achieve that ideal, so you'll continue to buy the product to fulfill the hope that maybe one day you can. In that case, how did you go about your research? Did you look at the advertising agencies and why they wouldn't change? Or did you interview women globally to find out why they wanted something new? Well, what I did is I wanted to go grassroots. I wanted to ask women themselves. So much of the other research has focused on women and body image. It explored what women would, what would happen, how women would feel about their bodies if they saw models that are primarily thin and young and white. And what they found is that there's a huge increase in body hatred, in distorted eating, in anorexia and bulimia, even in obesity. But no research had actually explored what happens to purchase intentions when you show women the option of seeing a traditional model or seeing a model of an age, of a size, of a background that actually reflects them. And so being at a business school, I knew fashion was called the business of fashion for a reason. And so I really wanted to explore the business side. And so what I did was I conducted surveys with 3,000 women in Canada, in the U.S., and the U.K., where I showed them ads, ads featuring models that represented the traditional model, but also that had models of different ages, varying sizes, and cultural backgrounds. And I measured their purchase intentions. What I found was fascinating. I found that women 
increased purchase intentions for a fashion product when they saw a model that reflected their age, their size, and their cultural background, but primarily the most significant variables was size and age. And what was so interesting is that this goes against the entire mantra of fashion and beauty advertising. This goes against what every company is putting out there and spending millions of dollars on. And we're talking about an industry that's $300 billion globally. What, what role does rejection play in all of this? Yeah, very fascinating because women are rejecting these ads. And after the surveys, I followed it up by doing focus groups because I really wanted to provide some rich insights. I wanted women to have a chance not just to you know check off boxes on a survey, but to actually share their thoughts, their opinions, and their ideas. And I found that women are very savvy and very skeptical consumers. You know, mass exposure to this one ideal of beauty has taught them that maybe there is more than the ideal. Maybe the ideal is artificial. Moreover, because they've been fed this ideal for so many years, they realize that it is false. You know, advertisers want women to select their new improved reality. But the women in my research, the majority of women in my research, actually rejected the ideal. And they didn't only reject the ideal, they preferred their own reality to it. Aren't you talking about authenticity? And isn't it something that actually is a movement? Because you have women in the media now saying we want to be on TV over 50, you know, why are we losing our jobs just through the age thing? It comes back to authenticity and the female image. Absolutely. This is all about authenticity, and it's about artifice being very five or very ten years ago. Women today crave authenticity for a variety of reasons, and we're seeing this really taking shape on a grassroots level. We see this explosion of street-style blogs that have photographers roaming city streets all around the world, taking pictures of women of all different ages and sizes and income levels, wearing their regular clothes because they find these regular looks inspiring. And I think it's really interesting because today we either see models that are photoshopped into this unreality or we see celebrities on tabloids with sweat stains everywhere, that these street-style blogs capture one group that still have enough integrity and still enough intrigue to really fire our imaginations. And that's real people. We're seeing this with social networking, Facebook and Twitter, that people are voicing their own opinions about what beauty means to them. On Facebook, there's a group called Beauty Versus Industry, and it features girls posting their photos and writing on their photos why they are beautiful. There's a movement, and right now consumers are light years ahead of executives in the industry who really need to catch up. And, and why do you think the industry is being so slow in, in terms of wanting to take on board these new messages? Well, we're, as I said, we're talking about a $300 billion industry that right now is still making money by selling this unachievable ideal of beauty. Their sales dropped a bit, and they're explaining that as the recession, but they haven't hit rock bottom. And so when they've spent millions and billions of dollars building their brand image and brand identity... It's a huge risk to destroy that. And so they're very scared about what would happen. And that really is why 
I wanted to do this research and do this research in a business school because I wanted to explore from a business side what happens when women see themselves versus see a traditional ideal of beauty to see, in fact, if we have undergone this cultural shift. If we go back to the Dove campaign, do you think it historically, in terms of the advertising industry and the marketing industry, will be looked upon as something that was a landmark moment when somehow someone jumped out of the box and thought out of the box and did something different? A hundred percent. Dove was a landmark moment because for the first time on billboards and magazines, women were exposed to an image that looked like them. Never had this been done before in a fashion magazine on a billboard to promote a beauty brand. And so what it did, it allowed them to realize the potential and the possibilities of how they could be reflected in the media. And this has had an impact. In 2004, Dove did a study and found less than 2% of women in Canada, in the U.S., in the U.K. would consider themselves beautiful. Well, in 2010, as part of my research, I asked women the same question. And what I found was that in these same countries, 92% of women between 14 and over 65 agreed, strongly or moderately, that they are beautiful. And so we're all developing a new way to see we're questioning, we're challenging, and we're redefining beauty. And the industry, now it's time for it to listen and listen to the majority of women. I come back finally to that question that, in a sense, your intuitive ability to spot that Dove was something that was changing uh, thought processes in terms of advertising and marketing um, is going to lead to a huge reassessment in terms of the advertising budgets. Yes, I hope so. I hope this will provide the first rigorous, empirical look for companies to say that there has been a change in the global consumer mindset. How are we going to respond and how are we going to reflect women in the way they want to be reflected? We live in a competitive marketplace. Companies can no longer put out messages however they want. In order to achieve loyalty from consumers, they need to listen. And this is what consumers are telling them. They want to see themselves. And it's not about saying that skinny's out or curves are in or one body is realer than the next. It's about saying that the in body is the body you're born with. So my research is not about the end of size zero. It's about the beginning of body diversity. Ben Barry, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today on fashion, the fashion industry and the body image. I shall go and look in the mirror. Thank you so much for inviting me.